Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How are you feeling today? <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all of you. This is the last time we're going to gather before Christmas, so here we are. Merry Christmas. So excited to be here with you. Hey, if this is your very first time at any one of our locations, whether you're joining us at our Banda campus, our Franklin campus, our Garfield Park campus, our Seymour campus, or if you're watching online for the first time, or if you're here at Greenwood for the first time and you accepted someone's invitation, we want to give you a very special welcome. Can we give it up for all of our first-time guests today? Someone invited you because they truly believe that you will be blessed by what's going on in and through Emmanuel Church. So hopefully thus far you've been blessed and you've been encouraged. And uh, for those of you not brand new, welcome back. Uh, you know that we're in a series right now called Treat Yourself. And we got the idea from this series from Parks and Rec. Any Parks and Rec fans out there? Yeah, I'm still undecided about who my favorite character is there. There's just so many good characters in that show. I uh, had no idea that, uh, what's his name, Chris Pratt got his start at, in Parks and Rec. Who knew? I mean, I'm just kind of behind on, on things. It's just, uh, anyway, cultural things. Anyway, uh, but he's hysterical. But I think I do love Tom. How many, how many love Tom? I think he may be my, my favorite character. Anyway, Tom and Donna, if, you, if you've seen the show, and if you've not seen the show, it's not necessarily the greatest greatest show on earth, and so it's, it might be a waste of time. Did I just say that? Okay. Uh, anyway, it's pretty funny, but once a year, Tom and Donna will get together, and they will spend the entire day treating themselves. They do everything for themselves. They buy food for themselves, cupcakes, shoes, clothes, whatever they want to buy. They just put themselves at the center of attention, and they just go all out uh, with, uh, with a selfish day. And, and it's funny, and it's comical, but you know, what's interesting is that I've noticed that, that that's become kind of a cultural movement, not, not for, for people to do that once a day, but for people to do that every day. And when people live self-centered, narcissistic lives, it's not very funny. I mean, it's hard to be around self-centered people. Don't you agree? The conversation is always about them. They're, they're, prob they're always talking about themselves. They're always talking about their own problems. They, they can't even get beyond their own life. We've been saying, if this is your first time here, we've been saying in this series that the fastest way to an empty life is to just be selfish. Like the fastest way to have a small funeral gathering is to live a selfish life. I mean that people do not show up at those funerals. And if they do, they go begrudgingly, right? What are the best funerals? You ever been to a great funeral? I mean, it's hard to say that out loud. A great, is there such a thing as a great funeral? But if there is a great funeral, the great funerals, is, and I've been to a couple of these. Man, it's packed out. Somebody gets up, then another person gets up, then another person gets up. You know what they're all saying? Grandpa was an awesome grandpa because he always put others before. Yeah. We love that. We love that. We praise those people. The best funerals are packed out because people come to honor someone who's given their life away to other people to make an impact and to serve them. Many of you have read this book, The Purpose Driven Life. You've seen this book? Read this book? Anybody? You know this book? 
This book has sold to date over 50 million copies. 50, 50 million. That's staggering. 85 different languages this book has been translated into. The first line in the first chapter of the book reads like this. It's not about you. 50 million copies. 85 different languages. I mean, it's like we're, we're so Dull. Some, we, we, we need to be told the simplest ideas. Like, like it's life it, like, is not found in being selfish. That's not the way to find fulfillment and satisfaction. It's not about you. We've been asking this question in this series. What if, what if the best way to live is to be a gift giver? What if the best way to live is to put others before yourself? What if the best way to live is just to think about someone beyond you? Yeah, guess, guess what happens? Life is this, it's this weird situation where, where when you start thinking about other people and serving other people, you actually find what you're looking for. Happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction, joy, peace. It works in a weird sort of way. I love what Zig Ziglar said one time. He said, you can have everything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want. So true. So true. We've been talking about Christmas. It's the Christmas series, Treat Yourself. <laughs> We've been talking about what should we give? Well, we should give what we received from Christmas. We've received so much that first Christmas morning, joy came into the world. Service came into the world. Last week we talked about how Jesus said himself in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus served us by meeting our greatest need. Joy came into the world. Next week we're going to talk about how peace has come into the world. What are we supposed to give? We're supposed to give what we have received. Today I want to talk about another idea of what we received, another powerful concept, something that we've received in Christmas, and that is forgiveness. What are we supposed to give to other people? If life is about giving, if that's where true satisfaction and joy and happiness and fulfillment are found, what are we supposed to give out? We're supposed to give out the grace that we have received that first Christmas morning. See, the way the story unfolds in Matthew chapter 1 is that Joseph is getting ready to marry his fiancée, Mary, and he discovers that she's pregnant, and that's not a good thing because he knows he's not the father, okay? They've not been together intimately, so he's a good man, he's a righteous man, so he's going to break off this engagement quietly as to not bring shame upon Mary, and as he's getting ready to do that, an angel comes to Joseph and says, hey, bud, you got it all wrong. You're misinterpreting the situation. This baby inside of your fiance is actually conceived of the Holy Spirit and she's going to give birth. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21, she's going to give birth to a son and you're going to name him Jesus, which that word, that name means the Lord saves, by the way, for he will save his people from their, say it with me, their sins. We got a sin problem. You have a sin problem. I have a sin problem. Sin separates us from God. And what Christmas is all about is about saving us from our sins. Eternal separation from God. That's the penalty of sin. Christmas is really a rescue mission. How does Jesus save us from our sins? This little baby that comes into the world and it's born in a, he's born in a manger and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes and he's placed inside of a feeding trough because there's no, there's no hotel, there's no room for them. He grows up 33 years later, he spreads out his arms, takes nails through his hands and through his feet, crown of thorns on his head and he dies for you. And for me, to, to save us from our sins, how does he do that? How does he do that? Well, he's the only one that could ever do this for us. 
he provides forgiveness. Christmas is really about forgiveness. Yes, it's about joy. Yes, it's about Christ coming to service. Yes, it's about peace coming into the world. But it's about forgiveness. That was the mission. In the book of Acts chapter 2, there's this amazing situation where where the Holy Spirit shows up and the the disciples are all gathered and they start to, you know, speak in tongues and and, and there's these flames of fire that that, that are visible on their head and, and everyone starts to like, you know, there's all this commotion, and it's, a, it's an odd sort of situation. And Jesus has already gone back to heaven. He's come, he died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He went back to heaven. And, and, and the Holy Spirit shows up, and this place is just rocked, right? And, and, and everyone starts to hear these people talk in different languages, their own language, and talk about the beautiful, wonderful things that God has done in their own native tongue. And, and some people are like, what's going on? These people must be drunk. That's what they said. <laughs> And so Peter sees the situation, he sees a group of people gathering, and so he steps up and he preaches the first ever recorded sermon other than what Jesus preached in the Gospels. And he starts going after it, and he's just preaching hard, and he's giving it to them, right? And all of a sudden, everyone becomes convicted, and they said to Peter, what should we do? Listen to what Peter says, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Each one of you must say it with me, repent, which means to turn or do a 180. Each one of you must repent and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the, say it with me, the forgiveness of your sins. That's what this whole deal is about. We have messed up. We have blown it. You have blown it. We have sinned. We have broken God's law with lies, deception, with lust, with adultery, with fornication, with whatever. You know your sins. I know mine. We have blown it, and Christmas is about you being forgiven of your sins. When Jesus died and came back to life, before he went back to heaven, he appeared to his disciples, and he was hanging out with them, and he even had a piece of fish, which must have been incredible for them to see and watch, this this ghost of a being. He wasn't really a ghost, but he was the resurrected Christ, eats a piece of fish for breakfast right in front of them. And Jesus is hanging out with them and he says to them, hey guys, you know that it was written in the Old Testament that Messiah would come and he would die, he would rise again, and then he would go back to heaven for the forgiveness of sins so that you can be reconciled to God. It is also written, look look what he says in Acts chapter, I'm sorry, Luke chapter uh, 24, it was also written that the message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, and this is the message, ready? This is the message of Christmas. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Forgiveness. That's what it's all about. Anybody thankful for forgiveness today? (laughs) Hopefully some of you will be thankful for forgiveness today as you put your faith in Christ. It's the ball game, folks, forgiveness. But it's a tricky thing, forgiveness. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to get your brain wrapped around. It's a hard thing to actually execute on. I love what C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, Everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until, oh, until there's something to forgive. (laughs) Do you relate? Oh, I love, I think forgiveness is great until someone offends you and you have to do the forgiving. (laughs) Then it becomes somewhat difficult, forgiveness. What is forgiveness? It's hard to put your finger on it. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of misconceptions about forgiveness, and, and I want to work through a couple of these because I think we need to think correctly. Forgiveness, before we define what it is, we have to sort of talk about what forgiveness is not. And forgiveness is not, first of all, 
excusing away what someone has done. A lot of people do that. They just make excuses for their kids or for their spouse or, well, you know, they just, they're tired and they've had a bad upbringing or, you know, they had a long day or whatever. You just make excuses for people. Forgiveness is also not saying that it's okay or that it didn't matter. No, it does matter. What people do to you, it does matter. And it's not okay when they hurt you, offend you, abuse you, whatever it is. That, 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 that they do to you. Forgiveness is also not denying that something happened. A lot of people think that. They just deny things. You know, denial is a, is a psychological mechanism for survival. We just have to figure out how to move on. So it's better just to deny that, that the offense took place or the abuse took place or, the, or that thing was said. We just, 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 just actually in our minds just deny that it actually happened. That is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is also not turning a blind eye and pretending like it didn't happen. This is not quite denial, but it's close. You're not saying it didn't happen. You're just pretending like it didn't happen so that you could have peace at the Thanksgiving dinner or the Christmas dinner or whatever the situation is. That's not forgiveness either. Forgiveness is not forgetting either. Oh, I'm just going to forget about it. I'm just going to put it out of my head. I'm just going to try to not remember it. That is not forgiveness. That may be a, 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 a strategy for survival, <laughs> but it's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is also not reconciliation. Reconciliation is when two parties that have been torn apart or split apart come back together and the relationship is restored. That is not forgiven. forgiveness. Let me ask you a quick question. It's a rhetorical question. Can you forgive someone and not reconcile? Yes or no? Yes, of course you can. They are not the same. Now, ultimately, between human beings... The goal would be to reconcile. That would be the, the perfect picture of what God would want. But if reconciliation is not possible because maybe someone has passed away and they've died, you still need to forgive them. Or someone is in jail and they're never going to get out, you still need to forgive them. Or someone is in another continent and, 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 and you're never going to see them again, you still need to forgive them. You can forgive someone and not reconcile to them. That's very important to understand. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not emotion. I talk to some people, they say, oh, I just don't feel like forgiving them. Well, who told you forgiveness was a feeling? <laughs> it's not. Well, if it's not a feeling, if it's not denying that it happened, if it's not excusing it away, if it's not pretending like it didn't happen, if it's not forgetting about it, what is forgiveness? Well, biblically speaking, forgiveness is choosing to cancel a debt. That's what it is. It's real simple. See, when someone offends you or when you offend somebody, when you offend God, there's this indebtedness that's created. Someone hurts you, they, they're now in debt to you. This is why we say things like, she owes me an apology, right? He has to pay for what he did. What are we saying? They did something to us, and now that person's in debt to us. And so when we forgive someone, all we're doing is canceling the debt, and we're saying to them, you no longer have to pay. You say, where do you get that definition? It's not the Bible. Some people believe in the Bible at this church. It's a good book. Do you read it? You should read it. It's good. I read it every single day. Read it this morning. In the book of Colossians, which is a book in the New Testament, which is written to a group of Christians at Colossae, and it's written by a guy named Paul. Everything he says today is applicable to our lives. It's truth that he's spilling out to them. Listen to what he says about forgiveness. He says, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Well, how did he do that? How did God forgive us of our sins? Having, say it with me, canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. What an interesting phrase. What does that mean? It simply means that you and I have broken God's law. We have lied. We have cheated. We have, you know, committed 
all kinds of inappropriate sexual acts. We've, we've, done, we've done things that we should not have done and still do them. And with that, what happens when we offend God, we are now put into his debt. And we have to pay the debt. Well, how did God forgive us? Well, he had Jesus come onto the scene that first Christmas morning and pay the debt that you owed and that I owed. Listen to what Paul says. This, this debt that, was, that stood against us and condemned us, Jesus has taken it away. How did he do that? By nailing it to the cross, by having himself nailed to the cross. See, the demands of the law, and I don't mean to get too technical here theologically, but we have to understand what happened on the cross. God's justice demands a payment. You follow me? He's not just going to sweep sin under the carpet and say, oh, I love every human being on planet Earth and everyone's going to go to heaven when they die because I'm a God of love and everything's okay. Even Adolf Hitler will be there. That's not God, okay? That's a, a, a wrong perception of God. He doesn't just turn a blind eye from sin. When human beings sin against God, big sins, little sins, whatever they are, we are now in debt to him. And that debt must be paid. Christ comes on the scene and he takes his body and his life and he pays that debt. How did he do that? Well, he lived a sinless life. He committed no sin. Did you know Jesus never sinned? Ever? He had to live a sinless life. Otherwise, how could he pay the debt? If he had his own sin, how could he make an offering for your sin, right? So here he comes into this world. He's totally perfect. He never sins. He's totally righteous. And he offers himself on the cross as a payment for your sin and my sin. And when you trust in him, all of your sins are wiped away. Now, if you don't believe that you're a sinner, Christianity doesn't have much to offer you, okay? This is just organized religion and a way to control the masses and keep people under control. Okay. Christianity has zero to offer you if you don't understand that you are inherently sinful. You were born into this world sinful. In fact, if you hold the position that you don't have any sin in your life, you've never had children. <laughs> have a few kids. You have forgotten your childhood or you have never had a kid, okay? They're little sinners, those buggers. They really are. And they didn't learn it from us, right? When you get your brain wrapped around Christ's sacrifice for you on the cross and how he, he literally, with his own life, paid the debt you could not pay, you, you suddenly become overwhelmed with gratitude. Even now I can feel it in my own heart. David wrote in Psalm 32, Oh, the joys for those who've been forgiven of their sins, whose record has been cleared. Oh. When you realize that God loved you, we just got done singing about, oh, how he loves us. How, he, how does he love us? In what way? It doesn't even mean anything if we don't understand that he had his own son die in your place. What does the love of God mean if we don't understand the sacrifice of Christ, if we don't understand Christmas? It means nothing. It's soft. It's an idea. It's like marshmallows. It has no meaning. Unless we understand that Christ gave his life on the cross to pay the debt you couldn't pay. And when that hits you, oh, man, your life changes. Your whole world changes. And then the next thing that happens is that this next command becomes very serious. The next step becomes very serious. Because now we've got to deal with each other. 
<laughs> and, and each other, we're terrible. We're terrible. We're terrible to our spouses. We're terrible to our friends. We're terrible to our kids. We sin against one another. Strangers sinning against strangers. People in the grocery store hating on people in the grocery store. I pulled out the other day in, in, on, uh, on Smith Valley Road and, and this guy behind me uh, wanted to go faster and there was nowhere to go and the speed limit was 40, 35, years, 35 miles an hour. And so I'm just kind of cruising along. He, you, he wanted to murder me. <laughs> Listen, he may be here today, you may be watching online, that was me. The little white Emmanuel sticker on the window on the back, that was me. He was looking at me and I saw murder. He was, his arms were going up in the air. He rolled the window down, let's go. We're on Smith Valley Road in front of the schools. You know what I'm talking about? Right there by Peterman. It's like, where are we going to go, bud? You know what I did? You know what I did? This isn't right. This isn't right, but I'm a sinner. You know what I did? I slowed down. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. I did. It's not right. It's not right. It's wrong. I'm a sinner too. I, I forgive you. If you're watching today, I, will you forgive me? <laughs> this next statement is so serious. Listen, in the New Testament, when you pick it up, it says, now, now that I've forgiven you, I want you to follow my example, and I want you to forgive others. We've got to deal with each other. Because when we don't forgive each other, then, then life gets all sideways, and divorce, and pain, and brokenness, and families blow up, and... Listen to what Paul says. This is a letter called Ephesians written to a group of Christians at Ephesus, very applicable to us today. Listen to what Paul says. Get rid of all bitterness and rage, anger, very prominent today. Back then it was prominent. It's today. It's in our hearts. We're born this way. Harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, replace that. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, and watch this. Forgiving one another. You say, wait a second, there's no way I can forgive my ex for what he did. I didn't say it was easy. Paul didn't say it was easy. He just said, you got to do it. You mean I got to forgive my dad? He left us when we were five. Got to forgive my mom? She became a drug addict. Yeah. Yes. I didn't say it was easy. It's just part of the program. You, you put your faith in Christ, you receive he cancels your debt, and then he tells us, now cancel the debts of those who have wounded you. And, and he knew we would struggle with this. He knew that it would be difficult to, to extend the same grace that we received to others that, that we've received. And, and so he tells us how to do it. And this, I love what he says next. Watch this. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. In other words, if you want to learn how to forgive someone that, that you've been struggling to forgive... All you have to do is go back and do a quick meditation on how God has forgiven you. And what do you find? He gave his life for you. He gave everything for you. To do what? To cancel the debt in your life. How much, how much sin was in your life when Jesus canceled your debt? I mean, think about all of the sin in your life. How many times you've offended him and broken his rules and broken his laws. And he wipes out the whole mountain. All of it. All you have to do is go back and think about that. Think about how God has treated you. And then extend that same grace to other people. I remember one time 
uh, I sinned against my wife and I was asking her to forgive me and she probably doesn't even remember this. But she said to me, how can I hold a grudge against you when God doesn't hold a grudge against me? I mean, you want to talk about how to have a good marriage? It's not this huge romance and this, you know, this wonderful, I mean, romance is great. Intimacy is awesome. How do you have a great marriage? You show a lot of grace. You give out a lot of mercy. That's what my wife said to me. How can I hold a grudge against you when God has not held a grudge against me? You know, this is a big deal. I was trying to think about a really, like, novel way to say this. And, like, a deep thought. This is all I came up with. This is a big deal. <laughs> it's about as deep as we're going to go today, okay? Big deal. This isn't just one of those things where God's like, hey, if you can find a chance to forgive those who've hurt you, go ahead and do it. This is serious business. You say, well how, well, how do you know that? Well, Jesus put it in the prayer. He put it in the Lord's prayer, which is not the Lord's prayer. It's our prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Aren't you glad he put that part in there? I mean, Jesus knows we like some food, okay? Give us this day our daily bread. What's the next phrase? Put forgiveness in there. The daily prayer. And forgive us of our sins because we do it every day. How many of you are willing to admit you sin every day? I am. I don't want to. I don't want, I didn't want to sin that day in the car when I slowed down. It's just in me. It's natural. So we got to pray every day to forgive us. Forgive me. Forgive me for that thought, the thing, the reaction, the action, the thing I didn't do and I should have done and the thing I said that I shouldn't have said. All these things. And then Jesus adds this second phrase in there. Which is one of the phrases, I don't know if you've ever read the Bible and you're like, man, I wish I could take that verse out. Anybody ever, it's like sometimes like, just scratch that out. It's not even there. Like this is one of those phrases. Like forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who've hurt us. It's as if Jesus is saying, like, if you want me to forgive your sins, then why don't you forgive somebody else's sins? And almost it's as if he's saying, like, I'm not going to forgive you of your sins unless you forgive others. Ooh, is he saying that? In fact, it is. Look at verse 14. Two verses later, 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father, say it with me, will forgive you, okay? If you demonstrate grace to others, you're gonna get grace from God. But, oh, it's a big but. But if you refuse, and it is a choice, it's not a feeling, okay? That word implies choice. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will, say it with me, not forgive you of your sins. What is God saying? What is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that his forgiveness to you is dependent upon your forgiveness to others? Yes. Not in the sense of salvation, like you're not going to go to heaven unless you forgive people. Not in that sense. Salvation is not something we earn by forgiving others. No, not in that sense at all. But in the sense that your fellowship, your intimacy with God is dependent upon how much grace you show to others. Is that making sense? In other words, you want to walk closely with God, if you, you, you have to be a merciful person to others. Why is that true? Because what, what is the core of God's heart? If you opened up God's heart, and we talked about this in a series we did a couple of months ago called Mercy, if you opened up God's heart, what would you see? Some of us think, well, oh, it'd be justice and anger and wrath. No, no. If you opened up his heart and you looked at the core of God's heart and what it is, what you would see is mercy. 
He loves, he delights in mercy to show forgiveness. And so here he is at the center of who he is, his mercy, and you are over here with all types of grudges and bitterness and resentment. How can he and you walk together closely? It's impossible. This is a big deal, huge deal. You must cancel the debt that other people owe you. The nasty thing that was said, the money that was stolen, the adultery and the cheating and the unfaithfulness, the hurt, the physical pain, the abuse, the mental abuse, you must cancel that debt. Some of you are probably putting the dots together together right now, thinking, well, I've got a grudge in my heart against a couple of people, maybe just one, and maybe that's why I haven't heard God's voice recently, and every time I read the Bible, it's like a textbook, it doesn't even speak to me, and during the worship services, I used to get into it, and I used to cry, and now I don't, and my heart... I wonder why I feel so far from God. Maybe it's because your heart has grown cold because it's filled with bitterness and resentment and grudge holding. This is a big deal because God wants to set you free from that. It's it's an interesting situation. You know, this series is called Treat Yourself. (laughs) We've been trying to get you to, to be thinking about others, to be a gift giver to others. It's interesting about forgiveness because forgiveness is a gift you give to others, but it's ironic that in the end, it actually ends up being a gift that you give to who? Yourself. Yourself. Why? Because when you forgive somebody, you set yourself free from anger and bitterness and resentment. The quality of your life goes through the roof. You start to walk intimately with God once again. Because you chose to cancel the debts in your life. Wow. It's actually a gift you give to yourself. Some of you may have heard the story about Mary Johnson. Mary Johnson is a mom, a single mom with one son. Back in 1993, at a party, her son, her only son, was shot and killed by O'Shea Israel, who at that time was 16 years old. Her son was 20. And he was trying to prove that he was a man to some other boys, and so they, you know, he had to kill somebody. So he killed Mary Johnson's son. Well, he was caught and sentenced to 25 years in prison, and, and Mary's life was just devastated. Her only child is now murdered and gone. About 15 years into his sentence, Mary was a Christian lady. She went to church every Sunday. She felt like God was telling her to put together a support group for parents whose children had been murdered. And so she got excited about it, and she was going to do it. And and then the Lord spoke to her and said, yeah, but before you put this group together for parents whose kids have been murdered, you have to go to prison and forgive O'Shea for killing your son. So with a friend, she takes her first trip to the prison 15 years after it all happened. And that first interaction was surprisingly uh, good. And it went well, and they were able to talk, and ended up embracing in that first interaction. And she went back, and she went back. And over a process of time, over the process of time, she ended up forgiving O'Shea. Here's a picture of Mary and O'Shea. 
O'Shea is now a grown man. He's, you know, in his 30s and looks like mother and son a little bit. She forgave him, and when he got out of prison, she threw a coming home party for her son's murderer. You talk about the power of forgiveness. I've got three kids. If, if someone kills my kid, I don't know if I could throw a coming home party for his murderer. But the reason I'm thinking that right now, because this, this doesn't even make sense. It's, it's divine. It's otherworldly. It's supernatural. God worked in this woman's heart to do the impossible. O'Shea comes home. They have this party. He's like, I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anywhere to live. So she says, well, let me call my landlord. And so she calls, makes a few calls. And her landlord says, you know, an apartment just came open. And uh, he can move in right away. Only problem is it's right next door to you. Here's their living situation. If you're sitting here thinking today, I just can't, I just can't forgive. I just, I just can't do it. I just... Look, if she can do it, what's your excuse? If she can live next to the man who killed her only son, where do you go? My prayer and hope is that the Holy Spirit's pinning you down right now. You ever been pinned to the ground? I had older brothers. Happened all the time. (laughs) Just pinned to the ground. Can't go anywhere. If Mary Johnson can forgive O'Shea Israel, and not just forgive but reconcile, So can you. You must. If you want to walk closely with God. You must. So my question today, this Christmas is, who do you need to forgive? Who is it? Who's hurt you? Who's wounded you? Maybe it's a a parent. Maybe it's a child, a friend, business partner, spouse, ex-spouse, cousin, uncle, God would say to you today, and I, I, and I very rarely, I very rarely say this, like, because I'm not, I'm try, I don't try to pretend like I'm some sort of prophet or something like that, but I, but I can say God would say to you, if you were here physically, cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. Let it go. And it's for your benefit. This is what Mary said. Listen to, listen to what Mary said. Unforgiveness is like a cancer. It'll eat you from the inside out. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. No, he killed my son. He murdered my son. The forgiveness is for me. The forgiveness is for you. This Christmas, who do you need to forgive? As we wrap up, I just mentioned a moment ago the forgiveness that Mary Johnson extended to O'Shea Israel was divine, supernatural. The Holy Spirit was working in her life and empowering her and moving her to go to that jail, to take that step, to start the conversation. If you really want to be a person who forgives others, you need God. You need to first receive grace and forgiveness from God. And then as you learn to understand that, 
receive it and live in it, then you extend it to other people. Maybe today you've never received God's forgiveness. I did my best job trying to explain what Christ did for you a few moments ago. That first Christmas morning, the baby enters the world. He grows up to be 33 years old or so, and he pays a debt you couldn't pay. You sinned against God. He didn't. You owed. You were supposed to pay. I was supposed to pay. Christ says, no, I love you so much. I'll lay my debt life down for you, and I'll pay the debt. And he dies in your place. Three days later, he rises again. Not to set up a religion, not to set up a bunch of churches, organized religion. It's not, that, it's not about that at all but to be in fellowship with you, to have intimacy with you. Maybe today you put your faith in Christ, you turn to him, you ask Jesus to be your savior. If you'd like to do that, I'm gonna say a simple prayer. It's a prayer filled with faith. Take these words, you can make them your own. Put your trust in Christ today and receive God's forgiveness. Will you pray with me? If you feel led to, just say this to him. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for paying the debt I owed. Thank you for paying a debt that I could not pay. Thank you for giving your life so I could be forgiven. I ask you to cleanse me right now. I trust you. I put my faith in you. Be my savior. Fill my heart with your spirit. Empower me with your love and your grace so that I can leave this place and give out the grace that you've given me. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give God praise today, church? Amen. He's moving. He is speaking to hearts. If you put your faith in Christ today, if you just said that prayer, our church wants to get you started on the right foot. We put a little gift uh, box together for you. We call it our saved box. Inside this box, there's a Bible to get you started reading the scriptures. There's uh, uh, some instructions about how to get connected to the church, baptism, small group. And there's also a coffee mug in here to say congratulations for putting your faith in Christ today. If you would text the word saved to 65248, right there. You can grab one of these at the information desk at your campus, or if you're watching online, give us a little bit more information, and we'll send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory? Amen. Christmas, Christmas. It's about joy coming into the world. It's about Christ meeting our biggest need, our greatest need. It's about, it's about God providing forgiveness for you and I by taking away our sins. Will you extend that? Will you serve the people around you? Will you give out joy? Will you serve those around you? Will you give them the forgiveness that God has given you? Something tells me if you do that, your Christmas is gonna be a lot sweeter this year. Yes, you think? Awesome, will you pray with me and then I'll dismiss us. I'll dismiss to our local teams. Father, we love you. We've received so much from you. Joy and peace and purpose, meaning, forgiveness. You met our greatest need, which is reconciliation. Help us to be a blessing. Help us to give out what you've given to us. To reflect your mercy, to reflect your heart, your grace, by forgiving those who have wounded us this Christmas. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right now, I'm going to hand things off to our local teams. God bless you. See you next week. Bring a friend.